Coming up this Tuesday on Beyond the Vibe for our Halloween special, I'm joined by Dane Campbell and Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. One of the things we used to do in the house was jam together. After, you know, once we got to a certain age, we had a drum kit in the garage, and then my dad and my older brother would jam with me, playing mm. all sorts of stuff. I think my dad would be playing bass, funnily enough, back then. A bit more old school, we like guitar solos. I know lots of bands now don't really do guitar solos. Mm. Imagine Strike the Match now, if, if you listen to that song. And it was just drum rolls all over it, drum fills all over the place. <laughs> yeah. it, it just, it just, like, it just ruined the song. It's about the, like, our music is about the vocals and the guitar. Like, we love Neil. Neil was great. You know, you, you won't mind me saying this. Some of the fans liked him, some of the fans didn't like him. One of the things we did want was a bit more of a gravelly vocal, if we could find someone. shouldn't be really a good like if you look at him from a critical standpoint he's not yeah. actually a good singer is he no but he's it got works a, yeah he's got a very yeah. unique yeah unique voice it's very recognizable which i think mm. if you think i think that's it, the uh, thing yeah it's just recognizable ryan hello how are you doing man yeah man good good to see you that looks like a <laughs> cool little setup you've got going there well we have a little thing i do have a party trick i can go two different angles oh my god <laughs> you have to teach me how you do that <laughs> i have no idea it's it's actually easier than what you think you know um i use a thing called a it's called a switcher right. so you plug in um like you you've got your cameras and then there's like a little side port like a mini uh hdmi type thing and then you plug in the other end into this like it's like a little desk type thing and it just yeah. has buttons and you can just alternate so that's the thing want. that's connected to your computer yeah, so this here <clears throat> is the the thing that's connected to the computer and then that connects to the cameras so it just talks but it's great because it's like an all-in-one device because it does audio as well so i just wow. put everything through that and then here we are <laughs> is it like a time saver when it comes to editing then yeah well, i mean if you if you were to um live stream or do something like that you can uh you can just edit live while you're doing it nice pretty much so that's quite handy very good um but yeah the, that's, that's my little party trick all the twitchers out there <laughs> yeah a lot a lot of people like that do that kind of thing yeah um oh, cool yeah yeah, it's a handy little thing. Yeah. I appreciate your time. I know obviously That's you're right. quite busy these days. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad. I'm happy to, really happy to do this. And it's been, <laughs> I've been meaning to put myself out there a little bit more for podcasts. And yeah, yeah, I kind of did a few, you know, over the last few years, but I probably haven't done enough. So <laughs> it's, it's great to be on yours. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. So I'm here with uh, Dane Campbell of Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. Thank you very much for joining me. Obviously, a, a very special episode, a Halloween special. 
hence the the random skull on the on the uh, the desk <laughs> that's that's as far as i can go but <laughs> i think um you know that's pretty that's further than i've gone um <laughs> i didn't even think about it to be honest i've got a calendar next to me with kittens on it um yeah, very hardcore very hardcore um and i'm i'm sitting in front of some nintendo games which are not very halloween themed at all um, and behind me is a load of crap that you can't see. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> baby um, clothes, old baby clothes. Yes. I mean, it ends up dominating your life, I think. The whole baby yes. thing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's taken over mine. I love it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just a, you know, it's a big sacrifice, but it's worth it. Mm. Well, um, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> i haven't got up to that point i'm not oh, sure okay. man. no um, it's it's daunting yeah until yeah. you do it and then you re you because i always thought how do people do it yeah and still have a life the answer is you don't really have a life but <laughs> all all the moments you have bringing up a child it's just a, you can't really compare it to anything else like i've had pets and you've got a cat which i love i love my cat but it's just mm. it's not it's like that times a thousand in terms of how much time they take up just looking after them because they can't do anything well it's my 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 son's at the moment six months old mm. so he literally can't do anything himself yet so he just needs constant apart from when he's sleeping he yeah constant interaction and everything and yeah but it's very fun well later on i imagine it's that that's where the cool stuff like you can start and teach him something mm, yeah maybe, got, maybe getting behind the drum kit <laughs> i've already done that i kind of i yeah. sat him on my on my lap on my electric kit um the other <laughs> the other day and he loved it to be honest i was just playing i was just playing while he was on my lap yeah. and he was just like he thought it was so cool but then i kind of had the sticks in his hands and i was obviously yeah. i played like a beat and yeah so i think i can definitely make a drummer out of him mm. and uh, he's had a bash on our piano as well <laughs> you can't i can't play piano myself so it's just kind of him bashing and i'm just showing him different sounds but yeah he's, he seems interested in music so far so let's hope he remains interested when he's a little bit older and doesn't get mm. into rugby and and yes. and things like well, I don't mind football. Rug <laughs> rugby, I don't want him to get into rugby. No offence no. to you rugby players. In Wales... I was going to say, it's a big thing in Wales. It's a big thing in Wales, but... I don't want to offend anybody here, but <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I, I grew up with a load of rugby boys, mm. and I know what they get up to. And I don't really want him getting into those kind of crowds, to be honest. Normally, I ask... Um, uh, somebody when they first come on, I normally ask kind of what was the thing that got them in to wanting to be a musician. But I imagine for you, I mean, obviously, you know, your father's like an accomplished musician at this point already. Was was this just something? I mean, I, I don't know whether when your parent is already somebody of a, a certain stature, whether you'd want to go in a totally different direction, or was that was it something that always felt natural for you? Yeah, um, I totally get what you mean about with some people, their parents do one thing, they want to do mm. the opposite. I totally get that. But I think with us, we were 
obviously showing the instrument at a young age, um, not forced to play by any means. Mm. My my dad introduced us to you know guitar, keyboards, drums, and just the kind of the rock instruments. We, I guess, we showed that we were not only interested, but actually, you know, without you know, fairly able to play mm. at, at a young age, I guess, um, in a natural way. Whereas, I think some people have to try a bit harder. And mm. I'm, I'm not saying we're the best musicians in the world because we definitely aren't, but we picked it up naturally. Um, without a hell of a lot of effort, really. But I mm. think starting that young does help. So, um, yeah, he never forced us to do anything. I think it was, you know, I, I'm the middle brother. Cause there's three brothers in the band. I'm the middle mm. age, the one in the middle age-wise. So my older brother, Todd, was already becoming quite quite a good guitar player. And... I obviously you look up to your your older siblings, and I mm. obviously thought that was cool. And one of the things we used to do in the house was jam together. After you know, mm. once we got to a certain age, so we had a drum kit in the garage, and then my dad and my older brother would jam with me, playing mm. all sorts of stuff. I think my dad would be playing bass, funnily enough, back then <laughs> for with this with this band. Mm. Um, yeah, and we just carried on like that and um i guess when tyler who's the youngest brother got old enough he kind of joined in with us uh todd started a band quite early he started playing in a band i think he was th like 13 maybe and he, he joined a band with older guys i did something similar when i got to that age i joined a band with older guys because no one my age played um mm. no one in my age was even interested in rock music really so it was kind of like well we had that was the only option to find the only other two rock mosher kids in the school basically who played <laughs> guitar and we started a band and yeah it, it, like uh, like looking back it was just a natural thing and i uh, i was never i never thought oh my dad's a guitar player and a musician i i don't want to do that i want to be a lawyer looking back being a lawyer would probably be more beneficial with my <laughs> to my bank account but I, you know, I didn't know what else I wanted to be. Hmm. You do these careers meetings in schools and stuff. And I was like, well, I don't really know what I want to be, but I, I enjoy playing music with people. They don't encourage you that that's an option in school. Yeah. They, they don't discourage you from playing it. But I remember when I decided to take it as like an A level. And I remember one of my, teachers i can't remember which one was like oh, really that's not a proper subject that's a mickey mouse subject i was like it's bloody hard yeah <laughs> but it's like they didn't like consider it as a real career mm. path and it's quite funny because a few people from my school um especially from that area have done quite well in in rock bands and stuff whether it was short-lived maybe for some of them uh I, i'm lucky to still be doing it at my age but my professional life started quite later i was in slogging away in bands through all my teen well you know my late teens and 20s and it was only um i got to 29 i decided to drop all my other work that i was doing and make this professional and that was only because the band had started kicking off with my dad really so i was at an advantage 
I think if it wasn't for this band, realistically, I don't think I would be doing it professionally. Mm. I, I, I admit that. Maybe in, I might have had a lucky break and someone asked me to join a band. I, I don't know. But the band I was in, we did, I was in a band called Straight Lines and we did Download Festival and Sonosphere. We toured a little bit, mm. toured a little bit of Europe, but it wasn't at the stage where we were making money. Mm. It, it was just like, oh, we're, we're on Kerrang. We were on the Kerrang channel a few times. And like, that was a massive thing. That'd be um, cool. And we were in the magazine a couple of times and Rock Sound magazine back in the day. But that was it, really. We kind of struggled to get any real radio play. Mm. Like back then, it was you had to be on Radio 1 if you were a commercial rock band to really get an audience or get some support tour in arenas or something, which we did, never did get. Mm. We, we, we got some support tours playing clubs and like, academies we were lucky enough to you know support different bands in like the o2 academies and stuff but it never really got any further than that mm. and it was a struggle it was hard work but it was a struggle and no one none of us ever made any money and we did that for you know three or four or five years mm. so it's, it's tough out there guys <laughs> <laughs> it is tough. um i think growing up everybody has that that band that's kind of their band you know, it feels like that that's your first one that you really connect with. Did you have one in particular that stuck out for you? It was like, this is my band now. Do you mean in terms of what I used to listen to? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, I think um, I think everybody gravitates towards one in particular when they're kind of forming their taste. Yeah. Mine's a bit weird. The first one that always comes to mind, and I still would say it to this day, is Weezer. Which is strange because okay. the music I play isn't really yeah. like this, <laughs> but I kind of got I got into them fairly late on. I suppose it was when their third album came out, the Green album, mm. and I was just like, "Wow, these these are absolute banging tunes, really catchy." The music wasn't particularly complex, but I think that's why I liked it. And I think mm. I come from listening to, I grew up listening to more complex music. And like my dad, like I've mentioned this on other people's interviews, like me and my brothers were watching like Steve Vai and Satriani videos when we were kids and stuff, <laughs> and like <laughs> in, instrumental guitar music. And like, and all my other friends were listening to the Spice Girls and, you know, yeah. just whatever commercial pop was. Um, and I, I, we kind of skipped that. We didn't do that. It was like I, I didn't. Not that I was discouraged from listening to it, but I wasn't exposed to it as much as your average family would have been back then. So uh, I discovered Weezer, the Green Album. I think it was, if I remember rightly, my dad brought home a load of CDs from, I want to say Interscope Records. I think he met someone who worked for Interscope, gave him a load of CDs of whatever bands had come out that that year. I might be wrong. It might not be into scope. And I was like, oh, this one looks cool. It's a big green cover. I kind of heard the name, but I, I didn't really know much about them. Mm. And I just put it on. I was like, I love this. Let's check out their other stuff. And then I bought the the, the blue album and Pinkerton. I was like, whoa, this is even cooler in a, in a kind of darker way. But it's still really catchy. But the music is simple. The drumming was great. I like I the drumming. And I think he's one of the most underrated rock drummers out there. 
mm-hmm. uh, Pat. Um, he's just got groove and swing. He plays for the song, which is what I always appreciate. But he he, he has something about him. I think he's in. You know, you can tell he's inspired by the Bonhams of the world and and stuff like that. But yeah, they're always the band that I always think they're my band. I know mm. m- most of my friends probably are not into them. Uh, a lot of people I know think they're crap or just <laughs> think they're stupid. They think they're like, a, they think they're one of these joke bands, but they're not really a joke band. They, they're not the most serious band in the world. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But, you know, in terms of their output over the years, I think, I think they're, they're, they're the one I would say. Sorry, that was a long answer. <laughs> no, no. Um, I think I think there's a place in the catalogue there for the for something a bit more stripped back, maybe something a bit more fun. Definitely. You know, as as you say, you don't want to. I mean, Steve Vai is great, but do you want to hear him every day? <laughs> Definitely not. And his new album's amazing, to be honest. Mm. But it's not the kind of thing. It doesn't suit every situation. Exactly. Putting on an instrumental guitar album <laughs> with different time signatures and progginess and stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, Weezer is just, it's just happy. Like most, I'd say 80% of the songs are just happy, catchy tunes. Mm. And you can normally figure out what the lyrics are about. Sometimes not, they're a bit weird. But um, yeah, overall. So for anyone out there listening, if you've never listened to a Weezer album, there you go. Go check it. Go, go check them out. Um, I would pick blue which is the the original one green um my f- personal favorite mm. is called maladroit but most weezer fans rate that as the worst album they've ever released interesting but it's my favorite album so so you're going proper niche you're not not just yeah. going for weezer which nobody would probably expect but you're also going for the album that nobody likes either <laughs> yeah the album no 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 weezer fans like this album but it's my favorite album that they've ever done Ah. <laughs> fair enough i'll have to go and check it out um yeah. <laughs> uh so obviously uh phil campbell and the bastard sons formed back in uh 2016 um it's unusual to have that kind of that nearly full band of of uh brothers and a father so how did that conversation kind of first come about i know you were speaking there that you used to jam together but becoming like a a full-on band is kind of a different thing isn't it absolutely yeah um we, me and Todd had been in that band Straight Lines together. Mm. So we, we, we already played in bands. I was in another band called Squad with him back in my earlier days and his earlier days. Uh, Tyler, we never really played in a band together. He was in a band called The People, The Poet at the time. And they still, they're still going. They're a good band, really good band. Mm. Um, and it was coming up to Todd's 30th birthday, I believe. And we'd hired out a venue in Cardiff to have a bit of a party and, you know, invited our friends and family. Uh, we hired a band, which is a friend of mine, like a cover band. But we just said, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we just went up and jammed something during the interval, if the band let us just for a bit of a laugh, because do some covers. So we spoke to our friend, Neil, Neil Starr, who was, you know, our original singer. Yeah. And we were friends with him. And Todd was in a band with him back in the day called Dopamine. So there's lots of links here. Um, so we said, oh, you know, you're coming to Todd's birthday. Do you fancy 
singing some songs with us. We never played with him. I'd never played with Neil, despite being mm. a big fan of his work over the years. And essentially, yeah, we did a few covers. Um, we did we did rehearse once. We had a quick rehearsal, like the couple of days before, just to see how it went. And basically, we went on a storm, and like so many people were like, "Oh, you know, Motorhead are a little bit quieter these days." Because it was, it was while, while Lemmy was still alive, but they had, you know, reduced the the, the amount of gigs they were playing a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, why don't we, why don't we do this as a side project? You know, my you know my dad had time to do it, and um, for us it was like, well, yeah, we might be able to make something of this. We might be actually finally be able to earn a few quid from playing in a band <laughs> because. We had, our, you know, my dad's name attached to it, which jump-started the career that, that a normal new band would have. And I, we all admit that. We always admit that. We yeah. kind of had a, we had a bit of a head start. Um, but that's, that was how we started. And I think we played our first ever show. Uh, it was it was called Bogies in Cardiff. It was a famous uh, metal club in Cardiff. It's not there anymore, sadly. But that was mm. our first ever like paid show and then we played bloodstock festival which again how many bands would say this second ever show was bloodstock exactly. it was the small smaller stage at bloodstock but it was pretty cool and then it just kind of you know fans of motorhead and and, and us just discovered the band and we're like oh that'll be cool i'd love to go and see phil play a small venue um and yeah we're still doing it but now we're playing our own stuff mm. What's that feeling like for you personally? I mean, going out to, I know obviously it's a smaller stage there, but if that's your second gig going to a bloodstock crowd, I mean, that must be, I mean, obviously Phil's been there and done that, but for you guys, that must be something like, oh, something's kind of, this is getting serious quite quick. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Like I said, all of us had been in previous bands and we had mm. played big festivals and, so it wasn't like we'd never played to an audience before. Yeah. But we were normally in that kind of support slot role or, you know, a low slot on a festival. So similar to this. Um mm. but yeah, it was it was cool to get some recognition straight off instead of slogging away for years, going on at seven PM, opening up for other bands for, you know, if you're lucky, fifty quid petrol money, which I don't even know if bands get that these days to opening bands get 50 mm. quid it was always 50 quid for me back in the day if you were the opening band and that's if you that's if the promoter actually stayed around and didn't do a runner <laughs> you'd actually get your 50 quid at the end of the night and then three of you were driven so you split that you can't even split it because it's a weird amount um and you probably paid more than that in petrol anyway <laughs> <laughs> and petrol prices have gone up now so i hope they get more than 50 quid if they do but i doubt that i bet that's still the norm i know right <laughs> um <laughs> so jumping forward to where we are today obviously uh your latest album uh, kings of the asylum uh it's your third studio album and of course the the first to feature joel on vocals first off how did you guys kind of decide on joel to be your new front man i mean i feel you know, replacing a vocalist is always something I find that that, that must be quite difficult to do because, of course, you know, it's the voice of the band. Yeah, it, uh, let's say it wasn't easy at all. Um, mm. 
the like Neil, like we love Neil. Neil was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you won't mind me saying this. Some of the fans liked him. Some of the fans didn't like him mm. in terms of the style of his voice. But I think that comes down to there's a small percentage of our fans that just expect us and want us to be motorhead, but we're not. Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest with you know, a lot of people would say that was that was the reason because he didn't sound like Lemmy. Mm. Um but finding someone else that we didn't want someone to sound like Lemmy, because that was never the intention with the band. What's the point? There's lots of tribute bands already out there, good tribute bands that do that. Uh but we did want someone different we did one of the things we did want was a bit more of a gravelly vocal if we could find someone which joel has um you know not the looks or everything but he kind of looked automatically he looks like he's part of the band without trying you know he's got the, the beard and the long hair and tattoos and stuff um neil had long hair as well but <laughs> I'm, I'm not you know i'm not comparing him in terms of no, looks no. or anything, but he just looked at the part instantly mm. and he had the experience of touring. Um, he's actually, a lot of people don't know this, but Joel's got a big background of um, working as a crew mm. on the crew for bands, bigger bands playing bigger shows than what we play in festivals and stuff. So he kind of knew how all that side of things worked, which was cool compared to bringing in someone that hadn't been on big stages before. And like and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately, we asked for people to send in audition tapes of them mm. singing our songs. We had loads of emails. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe a hundred, just quite a lot to to get through. Some people, unfortunately, I don't know. It was you know, it was never a realistic thing. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> uh, like I don't know why some people bothered. Maybe they. <laughs> You know, you never, tr- I guess you don't try, you never know. But, you know, it came down to, you know, we shortlisted it about five people. Joel was one of them. Mm. Uh, he he went a bit further then and recorded himself singing along to our, our songs. Uh, you know, he went out of his way and got rid of the vocal tracks and stuff like that. No, no, I think we made some instrumental versions of our songs. That was it. Mm. And then we sent those to the shortlisted people. Uh, Joel came back and smashed some versions of our songs and we we're like, oh, I think he sounds like the man. Let's invite him down for a jam. And yeah, it went well and we got on with him personally. He seemed like a pretty cool, chilled, he's very chilled out yeah. guy, despite his his onstage persona. <laughs> um, I'd say he was like, fa- you know, fairly introverted like the rest of us are, to be honest. Yeah. We're all pretty pretty quiet apart from Tyler when he's had a few beers he's like one of the loudest men in the in the room <laughs> but but yeah we're all pretty chilled out we you know and you know he's not you know he's not into drinking or drugs or anything mm. like that because you know we're not about that despite what some people might think you know a few of us like a beer every now and again but you know, that's it we, mm. we don't, we're not into anything else uh, I know that's not very rock and roll but that's how we I guess that's how we've stayed a band for as long as we have and played so many shows because we're all pretty stable in that department. (laughs) I Um, think that's how it is nowadays. You know, I I think a lot of people assume, Oh, you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll, but it's kind of, 
it's different now, isn't it? It's not really, uh, you know, yeah. I, I think some people, they, they think, oh, what's going to be in the dressing room? And like people are having a cup of tea, you know, it's not, it, it's not quite. <laughs> yeah. There's never been any sex or drugs in our dressing room. No. I'll, t- I'll tell you that for anyone disappointed. Um, there's probably barely ever been a female in our dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> my wife's going to do a few gigs and, that's, and my mum. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty much it. And, um, there's lots of bananas and yeah. fruit in there, and uh, there's some non non alcoholic beer, uh, some real beer too. So don't, you know, we're not completely cool. lame. <laughs> not completely lame. Lots of soft drinks, um, pot noodles, uh, but no, no cocaine. Sorry. Of course. <laughs> um, I mean, I I felt that you know, I mean, having seen you guys live and now now heard the record, I feel that Joel is just a real great fit. I mean, that's why I wanted to kind of put that question to you because you know he feels like he's kind of been in the band for a long time. You know, it feels like he's been there for years, but obviously, like this is his first record. I mean, did you look at when you went into the studio? Did you look at approaching this album differently now? Obviously, you've got this new dynamic in the band. To be honest with you, we did something fairly similar to what we'd done with the previous album. Mm. And with the previous album, we'd written and recorded at least demos for all the songs without even Neil, our singer at the time, getting involved. Mm. And that was how we did things. We'd, we'd present him with a demo of instrumental stuff, and then he'd go away and write his his vocals and his lyrics over the top uh and then we came into the studio and did it all for real and we did something similar with this the reason we'd done it with the previous album was mainly because of well no i i don't want to blame covid because we'd written most of the songs before the pandemic had started but it was just the way the way we we did things like neil was always quite busy with other projects and he'd managed managed a few bands at the time and and stuff like that and he had you know he had a couple of kids so he was busy busy man he had a business he does merch printing lots of things so mm-hmm. like it just worked for us all for just us to do the music and then present him and we we had all our faith that he'd be able to come up with the goods and he always did he was a very good songwriter uh very good at hooks and writing ca- catchy choruses and stuff like that so he was great uh with with Joel it was more kind of hoping he would do the same um he wasn't involved in any of the 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 music side of things mm. um he could have been if he wanted i think but it was again he he lived a little bit further away like he's lives like north of bristol really in south wales so it is a bit more of a trek for him to come to the the studio every day where we rehearse and stuff like that but we we were sending him We'd send him drums, guitar, and bass. We we wrote this. We wrote the idea for the song, put it down the following day. Right? We literally jammed together the rest of us. Oh, that's cool. Came back the next day, put the drums down for that song or those two songs or those three songs. The next day, Tyler was in doing his bass. The next day, guitars, and then we'd send those kind of rough mixes to Joel to to come up with his own. Uh, you know, vocals and lyrics. He'd send us some demos back, you know, a few weeks later. What do you think of these guys? And we were like, I remember the first one he sent back was the song, The Hunt. We didn't have a, 
title for it back then. It was probably the heaviest song on the album. And we were like, whoa, this is awesome. So this is going <laughs> to go really well. Uh, it took a while because we started gigging shortly after. We had a really busy festival season. Mm. So it did take a while until we got more vocals laid down. So it did, it was a, you know, it wasn't a quick process. The music was really quick. The, the coming up with the music was ridiculously quick. We did it all in like a month and that, that's writing and recording, which like, I don't love that way for being a drummer. I, I would love to have known what the vocals were doing on those tracks before mm. recording my final parts, because as as a, a drummer and a part writer and a part songwriter, it's a disadvantage not knowing where the vocals are going to be because I can play off what the lyrics are or what the what the the hooks are going to be. I can put a little stab there, you know, in in time with something vocally, but I didn't have any vocals to go off. So mm. if it's frustrating to me a little bit how we do things because I feel I'm only doing eighty percent of what I could do as a drum part writer mm. without the vocals being there. Maybe if you're a drummer listening to this, you know what I mean. A lot of bands will write all together with the singer present, coming up with melodies and hooks mm. as you come up with the music. And then you hear something in the vocals. And you're like, oh, that's cool. What if I do this? Or, you know, hit a, hit a China symbol there or, you know, something the links in with the vocals, but there's nothing really like that on the album. And when I listened to Joel's vocals later on, I came up with a few little ideas. Oh, I, I could have done could've that done there. That. I could have done that there. <laughs> or, or, uh, but in, in alternative to that, he been able to do things around my drumming and do things around the guitar playing to some extent. But so I think like, it's not really my decision, but if we did the next album, I'd love to do it all together. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. Yes, you never know. Might change. Yeah. Um, the the two real kind of standout tracks for me personally are uh, "Schizophrenia" and uh, "Strike the Match." Could you talk a bit about those two songs? I mean, obviously, you spoke a bit about you know that kind of process, but. You know, for for me, they they are. I mean, obviously, they're like two two of the singles in there. Uh, yeah. You know, it's quite riff centric. How how did they, that kind of come about? Um, I'm trying to think of the order in which we'd come up with those. I think "Strike the Match" was one of the ones we recorded first musically, mm. but it was one of the last ones Joel did the vocals for. I think I might be wrong. I think that's how we worked out. And we weren't thinking, oh, this is going to be a single, this is going to be a single, mm. until Joel had done his thing, really, because certain songs, like I would, Schizophrenia, I wouldn't have picked that as a single, but at, when I when we were just recording the music, it wasn't, oh, this is obviously going to be a single, because it's, mm. like you said, riff-based, but it's, I don't know, it's what, what he brought to the brought to the song after we were like, Oh, that's a really good hook in the chorus. Um, the, the lyrics suited the, the theme of the album quite well. Uh, I had nothing to do with the lyrics, so I can't really talk about that. You'd have to interview Joel again yeah. <laughs> to talk about the actual <laughs> lyrics, but yeah, obviously with the theme of the album was the, with the, the asylum and the kind of mm. the mental, mental health disorders and stuff like that. I guess that gave him, give him a topic to, 
to sing about and write about. Um, yeah, uh, they're very different songs. Um, mm. Stri- Strike the Match, we were thinking obviously more just hard rock, simple. Uh, I was thinking ACDC with regards to dr- my drumming was like, mm. well, you know, they're, they're one of my favorite rock bands ever most other people's favorite rock bands phil rudd is one of my idols when it comes to drumming i've actually got a drum head signed by him there oh. i've never met him unfortunately but a friend of mine got him to sign a drum head for me um but yeah it, it, the end of the day they're one of the most successful bands of all time probably you know the most the maybe they're definitely top five aren't they mm. and, and he's never done any flash anything flash with the drumming and they've got some of the most played songs on earth mm-hmm. so it just like it just in terms of my drumming that's why you know i do the whole drum for the song podcasting yeah. i'm not a flashy drummer and in the style of music that i play i don't feel like it requires that there's a little flurries here and there just for decoration but like it's not the band i'm in it's not about the drums I don't mm. think it's it's got my dad's name on it. He plays the guitar. It's it's a bit more old school. We like guitar solos. I know lots of bands now don't really do guitar solos, mm. or they just do melodic ones that are just the melody of the chorus, which is fine. Like we Weezer do a lot of those, and it's it's great. But we're we're a very guitar focused band. So the last thing, in my opinion, again, it's all subjective. Is is if if uh, imagine strike the match now, if if you listen to that song and it was just drum rolls all over it, drum fills all over the place, yeah. it's it just it just like it just ruined the song. It's about the like our music is about the vocals and the guitar, mm. and, and that's it. I'm just there to 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 create energy, uh, and 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 fill a certain sonic area. Um, and the texture and 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 hopefully help the songs groove um i guess this with like our genre this is not the most groovy music like i try and do it as best as i can but i'd love to play in say a more funk influenced rock band or something i think i would enjoy that more in terms mm-hmm. of being me being allowed to not allowed uh being able to express yeah more space to be able to groove there's no space um in terms of the texture Mm. of our music is very full-on it's all pretty if you looked at the sound wave it's probably just (laughs) that's pretty much (laughs) how our music is but that's what i'd say most of our listeners enjoy they just like the, the loud energetic rock um, but yeah, I, we've, I've gone on off on a tangent, but yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people's favorite songs are those like strike the match was never my favorite. I'll, I don't mind saying this yeah, yeah. and it still isn't. I've like, I agreed to it being a, a single it, mm. like, and I get why, but it was never my favorite choice as, as a single. I, um, I think maybe because it doesn't, I don't know. I think because it doesn't really have our identity on it as much as schizophrenia, it sounds a bit too much like other bands than 
than schizophrenia does, which I think sounds like us. I think I think it certainly has a different flavor. Yeah. Um, which I I've personally found it that that was interesting to see maybe a different side of the coin of mm. the band. You know, it's something a little bit different that we haven't quite heard from you guys yet. Yeah. And you know, I think I think in terms of maybe just to have that contrast because you have schizophrenia as that other single, just to have yeah. kind of. Uh, uh, something a bit different, but that, that's my view. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it, the idea obviously was to have something a bit more mm. middle, middle of the road to to try and get on the ra- on the rock radio stations. Um, mm. And it, yeah, it, you know, that's that song is perfect for that for like you know your planet rock radio mm. station and stuff like that, and and to attract new people to the band because we're still at mm. this stage where, like, like I, I'd say. We work hard. We play a lot. We yeah. do lots of festivals. We, you know, we've had a few good support tours. Uh, not so many in the UK, but we've done a few. But it's it's not easy to sell tickets and to sell records. We still need a lot more people to discover us and to actually listen to our music and go, ah, I really mm. like that. Um, we do have, you know, a small portion of the Motorhead audience, but not. We haven't got all of it. There's a lot of people that are not interested. Hmm. Or there's a lot of people that a lot of Motorhead fans probably don't know we exist yet because they they're not into yeah. social media and they're not into Planet Rock and they just listen to their their CDs and their vinyl collection and they you know they don't know we exist yet. So we're still you know I'm not saying struggling, but we want to get to a bigger level than we are. Yeah, we're cool. still playing clubs, we're still headlining clubs. We want to be headlining bigger places ideally, but hmm. it's it's not as easy as some people might think it is but some bands go they shoot up they go from playing support slots in bars mm. to headlining academy venues in, in a short space of time and well done to those bands is, is something that we we're not doing that they're doing uh or whether it's just the music is more um appealing to the masses i don't know but uh, we want to try and get a bit of that without we don't want to detract too far away from mm you know, what we, we originally wanted to do is just to write music that we like and that we think our current fans will enjoy. We're not really ever going to, we're not going to go out there and write a pop album or an album full of ballads or so that's never going to happen with us because that's not what we are. And we're not going to ever do a sellout album. That's what mm-hmm. I mean. That's what I mean. No, we're I not. It, yeah. And I think if we did, you know, I think people, <laughs> people would get a bit annoyed. <laughs> I think, you know, I I've, I feel with the whole kind of moving up to another tier, I I think some of it is just a simple thing of like a right place at the right time. You know, right? You you I hear this from like loads of different bands where it's like, you know, what what was kind of this moment for you where you went from you know the clubs to the to the big kind of venues or whatever? And it seems there's so much of it that's just by chance, um, and you know, not not everybody can kind of explain how. You know, they're, they're like, well, we just kind of fell into the, to this thing and then this happened and then this guy just happened to turn up. And it's like, it's 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 often by chance. I mean, I, mean, I feel that it is coming for you guys. I mean, I, I certainly feel that, you know, um, this latest album is is a step up in my, my personal opinion. I think, you know, it's, um, I think... <laughs> You know, I, I I I think Joel is a great fit. 
and I feel that you know he, he really complements the rest of you guys. I, I don't know whether he's that 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 kind of missing piece of the puzzle. That's what we we are hoping in the mm. you know in the long term, and I'm sure he doesn't mind us saying that he has added a lot yeah. to our live shows as well. I don't know if you've yeah. seen us live since he's been in the band, but yeah, he's, yeah. he's quite more he's quite a dominating presence. Um, you know, it, with as far as possible, he likes to swear. Which some people don't <laughs> like, apparently. We've had a few people commenting about really swearing. It's like, well, we called Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. It's like, <laughs> what do you, like, what do you expect to, if you come and watch us? There's going to be a bit of swearing involved, yeah. and you know, and 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 stuff like that. But yeah, the album, I think, yeah, the general consensus is, yeah, it's better than the other albums. It's the next mm. step up, but we need to translate that into like ticket sales now for our upcoming tour. We've got a UK tour coming up, headline mm. tour. Playing some cities we've played before, some we've not played so much. I don't think anything's sold out yet. And, so, you know, some bands sell out tours pretty quickly. So it's like, it's strange. It's not that easy. Um, mm. And I, I don't know what, what the magic thing is that we need to do to to sell out more gigs. I'm, I'm sure most of them will be really busy on the on the night. Maybe mm. it's the the average age range of our audience is maybe a little bit older than some of these younger bands. And the old school way is, oh, I'll, I'll turn up and buy a ticket on the door. Or or I don't know yes. how to use PayPal is a thing. And, yeah, and, yeah. and it, it is a thing. Or oh, I don't have a PayPal account. Or, or I, I don't want to put my credit card details on the internet. Like I've spoke yeah, to people who don't yeah. like, I don't like, you know, they don't do that. And <laughs> fair enough. Cause there's a lot of scammers out there and hackers. I, I get it. Um, but yeah, like it'd be, it'd be lovely now. Like we've just released the album a few mm. months in advance of the tour. It'd be lovely to have some sold out shows because that makes us look good. And it, it creates more urgency for other people to buy tickets mm. if they want to come. Um, so if you are watching this uh, and you're thinking about coming to see us, buy a ticket in advance because it helps the promoters as well. It helps us. It helps the promoters have more confidence and and it means they'll have, you know, it it just helps everyone. Just do it. Because I know bands that have done not enough tickets in advance and then they, they cancel the tour and then you get hundreds of people. Oh, I was hoping to go. Yeah, did you yeah. buy it? Did you buy a ticket? Oh no, I was hoping to buy one closer to the date. Well, if everyone had that, had that way of thinking, all tours would be canceled because mm. you need to sell some tickets in advance. <laughs> Otherwise it's, there's too much risk for everyone involved. Hmm. Um, no, I agree. Um, I mean, the link will be in the uh, description for the for the new tour. Thank you. Um, of course, you know you have uh, your own podcast yourself, uh, Drum for the Song podcast, which we kind of briefly touched on there, um, where you sit down and speak with uh, various drummers from the scene. I feel that you know often, uh, you know, in an in an interview or a podcast that, you know, like people naturally would gravitate towards, you know, a guitarist or a vocalist was, was that kind of a, I mean, I, th I think a drummer can be a bit overlooked, you know, in terms of an interview or something like that. Was that kind of part of your reason for wanting to go in for drummers? I mean, obviously, and we know that you're a drummer yourself, but did you want to kind of shed a bit of light on what you guys do? I, I guess so. Um, when I started, I did like I was a 
I listened to lots of podcasts. I didn't listen to that many music ones, but yeah, most mm. of the music ones were either with front people, front person, yeah. or the, you know, maybe the lead guitarist or whatever. Very rarely would it be an interview with a drummer. And I was obviously like, well, yeah, we do need a bit of light shed on us and mm. a bit of bitter glory. And there's obviously a massive community of drummers out there that listen to podcasts too. Mm. There are lots of drum podcasts. I'm not, the only one there's there's a lot a lot of which i've discovered since i started mine and it's been very difficult to really um you know what it's like it's a hard slog isn't it there's a lot of work it involved is. yeah um <laughs> it's a it's you gradually you very gradually build more listeners hopefully every month sometimes mm. it dips it drops off sometimes mm. you have little peaks here and there and spikes it's it's very difficult but i thought i'll stick to the drummer thing because that's what i know fair amount about and that's what i'd be comfortable talking about rather than just release another generic mm. music podcast or you know musician podcast because there's enough of those already um but that was the idea um like i have taken a bit of a break from it since my child was born um mm. i did release an episode this month so I'm, I'm trying to get back on the wagon but i must say it's been difficult to find the time to do everything that's necessary, even with just promotion, mm. uh, promoting the episodes and interacting with everyone. It takes time and all the social media stuff. So I kind of needed that break, um, but it's still available. It's still up there. That's the way I thought it was like, I, I don't have to release any content. Hopefully the odd person might still stumble across an episode here or there or People that had recently discovered the podcast have got time to catch up now on the other episodes. Mm. Um, so I've, I've done 51 episodes to date, which isn't a crazy amount. I know you've, you've probably far. Have you, what, what number is this going to be roughly? So, oh God, I keep losing track of my number. I think I'm somewhere. I think this is 98, oh, wow. 97. Oh, nice. I'm closing in on 100. That'd be a really. That'd be a really cool thing to get to 100 man so i think get someone special in for that one i know it's it it, it feels yeah it's getting to that point where it's like oh i feel like i've got to get somebody like <laughs> yeah <for 100. laughs> that's what that's what i felt when i i knew 50 was approaching i was yeah. like and i knew i knew i had a, obviously i had a kid coming along i was like mm, maybe i can have a little break after 50 but i, I would love 50 to be someone really cool and I, I did manage to arrange that. Um, and it was my most popular episode to date, but it's just because of who the guest was. It blew and it's up. Not, yeah, it blew up just for, for one one episode. <laughs> and then and then yeah, people are still discovering it. And I, I noticed a few people start following me and they're, you know, Slipknot fans. Sorry, it was Chris Fain who was used oh. to be the percussionist of Slipknot. And um and he had, it was his first ever interview, apparently, and mm. he'd been on the cards for over a year. Uh, my dad's good friends with him, and we exchanged numbers and emails ages ago. And then I guess he just went a bit quiet, and I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop chasing him now because he's obviously not that interested. And then I f discovered then he had a new number. And I'm like, oh, I've been texting his old number. <laughs> my dad gave him his, give me his new number, and he replied straight away. And he was like, yeah, let's do it, great. Next week, I was like, yes, <laughs> perfect. But it, you know, I, I, I got to the stage of being. You obviously know what is exactly what is like chasing 
potential guests or yeah and you don't want to become one of these guys that hassles people but you want to remind them oh yeah you said you do this or and then you just stop getting replies and i kind of got a bit fed up of people agreeing to do it and then when it came to arranging it i just it just wasn't have ever happening and i just got a bit fed up and i was like ah oh. the band was getting busy again mm. and i was like let me just take a break <laughs> but like fifth place you for you know you, you keep you keep you're doing it and um and you obviously got it nailed with the the sound quality and the the way you're asking me questions i think is perfect and we're oh, not thank you. <laughs> we're not really talking over each other which is oh, something really? i i know i'm guilty of and for people listening we're using zoom there is a very slight delay and sometimes that that's why it appears that we're talking over each other because I will, for example, start saying something. Ryan doesn't quite hear it till a split second after Ryan starts saying something. And then we just go. <laughs> but, it is. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it was a difficult thing. I mean, at, at the beginning I ended up doing like a heavy amount of editing. Cause like if, if anybody goes back and hears those early episodes, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's certainly that point where it's like you're you're coming in and you're talking over each other and it's like you're both kind of waiting for this moment but you can tell as you say there is a delay so you're both waiting and then you're going again and it's like i don't know i mean i've, I've always tried to kind of you know i, I don't really like the term interview because i think that kind of makes people go Ooh, this feels really formal it feels really serious like um i, I always yeah i always looked at you know um like if i was going to speak to you in a bar or if i was going to talk to you like a, a normal person <laughs> you know like i don't know i found the whole concept of like maybe, maybe that was more kind of a radio interview thing but like the whole like it's very in and out it's very tight isn't it and it's like bish bash bosh new album thank you very much and goodbye yeah well, <laughs> and it's, yeah, yeah i think there's much more well, yeah, but podcasts are more conversational mm. and they're not limited to this is the question, what's your answer? This is the yeah. next question. Like, yeah, you might write notes or have a rough guide of how you want yeah. the conversation to go. But uh, like, I think I always use the word conversation when I describe uh, my podcast. Like if, if someone searches it on Apple, it'll say conversations with pro drummers. Mm. Um I, you know, I, I sometimes use the word interview on YouTube, but that's more of a... Good to get found that way, though. Yeah, I I don't want to use the word clickbait because I'm not a clickbaiter, <laughs> but it's more more likely someone goes, oh, I, I'm a fan of that person. Mm. I didn't know they did a, an interview. Let's go check it out. And no mm. one ever does anyway because YouTube is very difficult. It's, it's a bizarre thing. I mean, I've got fortunate. It's the the robots, as I call them, the algorithm. Yes. It either hates you or all of a sudden it just goes, actually, I quite like this one, so I'm just going to recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> no reason why. <laughs> well, it, it never happened. It never happened for me until the Chris Fane episode. Yeah. And that and that I it's it's a lot to do from what I understand. If you get a lot of initial views immediately after the mm. upload then it goes all oh, right this must be onto something i'll show this to more people and then it kind of just builds and builds but 
with an average episode of mine, especially if the the, the guest doesn't share it, mm. or if they share it a week later, it's kind of missed the boat a little bit. Um, you know, most of mine just they're just there, and they go to my audience, and that's it. Um, and that's it. and I just gotta, I just put up with that's the way it works for me, no matter what I do, and no matter where I post it on on social media, just gets swallowed up and thrown out to the sidelines sometimes um, yeah sometimes you can i mean i've found this where you promote something and you put out the video and you do this and then somebody goes like a year later they go oh i've only just found this and never never really sort <laughs> of like where have you been <laughs> for yeah. the last year <laughs> it's crazy and it's like oh i didn't know you had a podcast it's like oh yeah I've just been doing it for two years talking <laughs> yeah. about it every week on my social media <laughs> yeah. But uh, obviously, you don't see. You obviously don't see those posts because no. it doesn't think you're. It doesn't think that you're that way inclined that you're interested in that, or they just. Have sh- you heard of the term shadow banning? Yes, I have heard of it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm constantly shadow banned <laughs> with with anything regarding music or now, which I don't know if you know about. I'm an I'm an estate agent as well. Yeah, yeah. And whenever I post stuff about property, doesn't like it. Nah, it doesn't like that because it it knows oh this is something salesy going on here. Yeah, yeah, and and it's <laughs> and it always linking you to some external site or whatever. It doesn't like that. Um, mm. but yeah, it's it's difficult. <laughs> it is, but we will get there eventually. Let's <laughs> hope so. But you're doing really well, so congratulations and thanks. I'm I'm for, okay. For I'm not me. I'm not on fire. <laughs> but... Yeah. No, well, like I said, I I I was. I was familiar with the show before you asked me to come on. Which and, is cool. Yeah, well, definitely. It's always a triumph. Anybody yeah. that knows who, who I am yeah. or what the show is, it's always cool. Yeah. Um, a question I always like to, to finish on, I ask every guest. Um, it's a bit of a hypothetical one. Uh, if you could tour with one band from the past and one band from the present, who would they be? Ah, oh, that's really cool. Um, like, so you could pick a certain era of a band. Yeah, in terms of could, if Phil Campbell yeah. and the Bastard Sons would tour with them, or just me in general. Um, I mean, you could be entirely selfish. You could say, uh, "Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, we are touring with such and such." Mm. <laughs> you have control. Like this can be your your okay. gig or your tour. Yeah, I guess if it was just me, in terms of. Who would I enjoy supporting mm. every night? And I think we would benefit the most from. It wouldn't necessarily be a Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, but it'd be whatever rock band I was in. Yeah. Would would be Foo Fighters, to be honest. Mm. I think I think like that's always the the dream is to like support Foo Fighters on a stadium tour or something like that around America. Crazy. That yeah. would be like that would be the dream. <laughs> um I don't know if it would be Amazing for Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons to do it. It might not be terrible, but we're probably not the perfect support band for their audience. So just putting that out there. Um, so they're still going. A band from the past. Um, oh, most bands I listen to are still going. Um, hmm. I mean, some are always tempted to go for like a, a prime era Led Zeppelin or. A, well, I, I get, I'd have, saying that, I'd have to say 
it'd be Black Sabbath because they're not officially mm. going now, are they? Kind of. No, they've they've kind of called it a day. I mean, I imagine there'll be some other reunion of a reunion, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think they're not currently yeah. active, are they? No, I don't think so. Um, I'd say that like. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons supporting Black Sabbath. Now that mm. would be, that would be like the perfect audience for us, I think, in my opinion. And mm. I would love it because I'm a big fan. And yeah, it'd just be like, you know, like I don't know. If is I'd there be a favorite? Is there a favorite Sabbath era? I mean, obviously, a lot of people are they're either an Aussie guy or a Dio guy. I mean, there's. I'm. I love. The, the the first self-titled album when mm. i discovered that which is like way later in life i i'd always known who black sabbath were obviously but it was mm. only i think i was like mid-20s i started buying all their albums wow, i don't have day. all of them. i don't have all of them but I, mm. you know i started i started with that and worked my way up and that i think it's being from a drummer's perspective it's so jazzy the drumming is so jazzy and open and free and i'm like whoa this is like, how have I not been exposed to this before? And I, I just, that's what made me love it. And just the, the production of it, there's a lot more space than I imagined. Uh, I guess it was more to do with how music was produced back then. There mm. wasn't this wall of sound thing that everyone does now and all the compression and stuff, which is what we, we do now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, but in terms of vocalist, Dio was way better vocalist than Ozzy, mm. in my opinion. Um, and yeah, you know, he, he he probably didn't have, he's got pockets of amazingness mm. of, it, of the songs he did with Sabbath. But I think overall, obviously Ozzy has probably more hits or great songs that he was a part of. Uh, but he can barely stand up now. But you know, I'm not sure how much I would look forward to watching them these days if they were to do a tour. And I'm not sure if it's all bloody auto-tuned anyway, to be honest. From what I from, from what I've heard, yeah. A lot of uh, bands that do live auto-tuning nowadays. Um, you know, mm. I, I'm not sure how I feel about stuff like that. I'm like uh, I don't know if it's it's between them not touring at all, or touring and sounding like garbage, mm. or touring with auto tune and fans being able to see the band. I guess there's an argument for that, but I, I like going to see live music, and to me that's not live. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. No, I agree. It's, it's it's weird. I know it's it's a lot of people and the other argument that people talk about these days, which is very topical is the backing track thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very in the camp of, I would never want to do it with any of my bands. Mm. Um, I understand why certain bands use it for certain things like added accompaniment and, or orchestration that, you know, can't really be pulled off live properly. I'm not into it when bands have backing vocals and guitar tracks and, uh, uh, and stuff like that on a, on a backing track, I'm like, that's, that's not cool. Like, cause you, like just, I'd rather hear the back, like the other musicians singing the harmony sli- slightly out of tune or yeah, 
and it'd be real and it'd be on track and then mime in. I'm like, that's not that's not what I paid to see, mate. <laughs> but that that's I don't know. There's that's a topical thing right now and it has been for years, but like I, I understand why some bands do it. But when bands take it too far, I'm like, nah. Just just either either quit and and don't tour or just I don't know. Just no, start a boy, I, boy band or something. No, I, I agree. I think <laughs> I mean there's a, a common thing that I often say on here is, you know, I I think the key now is like the uh the imperfections. You know, I don't want it to be perfect. Yeah. Whereas I think you you see quite a lot now with that modern technology available. They're striving for nigh on perfection and it becomes almost robotic. Mm. And it, and it kind of it's it's a bit weird. Like if you hear, I imagine. I mean, I'm I'm fortunate to where I've been to quite a lot of shows where you don't hear like a backing track. Um, but I would imagine being there and then hearing sounds that don't tally with what's up there would take you out of that experience. Yeah, like you kind of I don't know. It doesn't. It's not real, is it? No. And yeah, it's well, and it's just like well, you paid a ticket to watch live music. And and to me, the fact that something that's pre-recorded, someone's pressing mm. play, is coming out of the speakers, it's like, well, that's you know, that's that's not live music. No. Live music is human beings interacting with each other, playing instruments and, and singing or whatever they do mm. together in you know, in time as best as possible and and having fun. With it and yeah, there are going to be imperfections, and but that's what that's what makes that performance unique. Mm. It, like, the, and if you see something cool happen or something weird happen, and you happen to be at that gig, I'm like, oh, that's cool. No one else will see that tomorrow on the next gig or whatever. Um, you know, things. Mm-hmm. In, 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 I guess the style of music I play, it's it's just the way it it always has been. I know things change and. People might say, "Oh, modern! You got to be, be more modern up." But I'm like, "Well, it's rock and roll. <laughs> rock and roll, like it's meant to be a feeling and mm. a vibe, and it's created with energy from people playing and singing. And and this my men shouldn't be a part of it at mm. all. Like, yeah, like you said, if someone's if there's a band playing and their hit single has got some orchestration." You can't, yes, you might be able to play some of it on a keyboard or a synth or something. I don't know. Mm. And you could hire in a musician to do that. It might be worth doing to some for some bands. But, you you know, it's not going to sound as good. I get that. I, I I give you a pass for that. But when it's, when it's rhythm guitars on backing tracks and mm. oh, there's nothing worse when I, when I hear that. And it's just like... <laughs> And back and back in vocals and lead vocals, it does happen more than some people think. Mm. Some people think, "Oh, that guy's a great singer." It's like, well, yeah, he's my man. He's not mm. actually singing. Or he, 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 you know, he's, his mic isn't on. He just they just turn it on in between songs, and some people don't realize they just they just assume it's live and that he's a brilliant singer or she. Sorry, rant over. No, no, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think I think like rock music's full of these interesting anomalies 
rock and metal. Like yes. there are certain things, you know, like the these imperfections, these kind of things that aren't I, I don't think rock's supposed to be perfect. I mean, as as we talked about there with Ozzy and, and Dio, I mean Dio is a arguably a superior singer. Ozzy on paper shouldn't be really a good like if you look at him from a critical standpoint he's not actually a good singer is he no but he works yeah he's got a very unique yeah unique voice he's very recognizable which i think Mm. if you think think that's the thing yeah it's just recognizable and i think Mm. that that's what if you think of any massive band it's not they're normally massive because this the lead vocalist has got a very recognizable mm. tone or voice or whatever or style of singing and if you're somewhere in between yeah you might you might make it to a decent level with some good songs or whatever good albums mm. but the, the the massive bands have always got a really distinguished vocal and it's hard you know it's hard it's hard to do and and, and as time progresses it's even harder to do because there's more comparison, more comparables mm. to to go off. I guess when you know back in the seventies and all that, you know there wasn't many other rock and heavy metal bands to compare yourself to. Um, mm. But now there's millions, so to be unique now is harder. Because yeah, like, I I agree. I mean, there's I always remember my dad because he was kind of one of the he went to one of the very early Black Sabbath gigs. And he said, he was like, he went there and <laughs> at the time he went, the band are good, but the singer's crap. Because, <laughs> because like, there's nothing, there's nothing to really even compare it to. Like, I mean, obviously he really enjoys him now, but it, as he said at the time, it was like, there was just nobody that sounded anything like them. And there was like women that were running out screaming because it was like scary music. <laughs> and, like, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, Amazing Just that so he, different. Yeah, amazing that he witnessed that. Oh, I think that's pretty special. It's bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's right though. It's and like I like we mentioned earlier, ACDC. Mm. Uh, and obviously they've had two two prominent vocalists. Yeah. But very distinguished voices that you just instantly know it's them. But not on 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 paper. Not great singers, no. In any way, but they got the way the way they do it. They've got their thing, um, and they you know Axl Rose, mm. Pro- probably was a better singer at one point. But again, very distinguished, uh, recognizable voice in the way he sung. He had a good range back in the day. He could do all the really low notes and mm. sing as high as anyone. He's a, you know, no, he's, he's still trying now, love him. Um, and to be honest, we, he, I think he, he sounded better this year than he, he had done, you know, a few years ago when they were touring. I think, uh, I think he's worked on it. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, your vocal changes as you get older and considering his range was incredible back mm. in the day. Um, I, I think it's just, biological and science that it's not possible to to do even that have anymore a quarter of that yeah to, is, exactly yeah. and um yeah like like even like dave Grohl, like mm. technically not the best singer but you you recognize him immediately mm. the, w- the way he sings 
And yeah, so all, all of these bands I'm mentioning, like some of the biggest bands of, in the world, James Hetfield, instantly recognizable. You know, it's him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it is, it's a thing. And I guess once you've found that, um, number one, you want to look after it. But yeah, I think that gives you the advantage because if you hear that on the radio, it just goes, oh, that's a bit different to mm. like all the other ge- like generic. It must have got to a point where so many rock bands, like in the 80s maybe, and the, the vocal style became, there was a style of vocal that people were trying to do. And like even I struggle now when I go back to listen listening to certain 80s bands. I'm like, oh, which band was that again? Or which band was that mm. again? bands I'm not that familiar with because I'm like it's all about the vocalist and 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 the identity of that sound um and I I do struggle to this day and some of them are big bands but they they probably not either they're not going anymore or they're not as big as ACDC <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's going to take some doing <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah it's going to take some doing yeah. <laughs> um of course, uh, for those that want to uh, go out and grab grab yourself a copy of the brand new album, uh, Kings of the Asylum, and uh, check out the the, uh, the UK tour that's coming up in uh, November, yeah. um, you can grab your ticket for that and the the uh, the album, whether that be vinyl or CD, via the uh, link in the description below. And uh, thank you very much for for speaking with me. It's been that's cool, right. man. It has been cool. Thanks for having me. And yeah, it's just been nice chilled out chat i enjoyed it very much and um if you want to come to any of the shows drop me Mm. a line and uh, be nice to meet you in person Uh, that would be cool